Hello and welcome back to Bob's Burgers and Conflict, a mini-series from your favorite Kitten Whiskers and Kanye hosts, Audrey Stratton and Carmen Radford. Thank you for joining us on this journey as we talk about our favorite sitcom <laughs> and uh, talking about it through the lens of conflict. Before we get into the episode uh i just want to kind of check in with my co-host here carmen how are you feeling i'm feeling great i'm doing wonderfully thank you how are you i'm doing good Good. um yeah what what have your takeaways been from this so far i've i've done a lot of talking at you i know but Uh, i've done a lot of learning and listening you know i i bob's burgers probably is my favorite sitcom maybe besides arrested development um But the Arrested Development has a lot of obvious, like, this is conflict. This is a person that is in the wrong. This person is also in the wrong. They're usually all in the wrong, you know? But I I think at the beginning of this miniseries, when you said that sitcoms are based off, like, it is based off a conflict, even the tiniest bit of conflict, even not being able to make it to all of your kids' Christmas performances. Like, like, I, I don't know why it was surprising to me that sitcoms base all of their stuff off of a misunderstanding or or you know um conflicting desires or something someone always has to sacrifice something but i mean that's the entire basis of sitcoms is the little snafus that you get into because of um varying people's wants and um the ways they communicate or don't communicate them and then it all comes to a head and then it all resolves (laughs) i've learned a lot yeah Oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that. And I am glad that you recognize that, like, conflict doesn't have to be big, massive. It doesn't have to be, like, confrontational. Yes. Because if I wanted to, I could have, like, chosen a couple of episodes of, like, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I know, even though I have only watched, like, a couple of episodes, I know that that whole series is just filled with so much conflict. Yeah. But it doesn't give me the warm fuzzies inside that Bob's Burgers does. Yes. And I really wanted to talk about conflict against something that does give me warm fuzzies because I think that conflict gets a really bad reputation as being something that like causes division in relationships. When actually, when we are able to work through our conflicts with our loved ones we become closer with each other. So let's talk about probably the warmest, fuzziest episode of Bob's Burgers. It was the Christmas episode that was released last year, and it is called The Plight Before Christmas. Carmen, could you give us a little rundown of what happens in that episode? I would be happy to. I just watched this episode. So the episode begins with Linda and Bob Uh, collaborating with each other about who's going to Tina's Christmas performance. She's the star of the Christmas play. And by star, I mean, she's the star above like a literal literal star planetary star. And Linda is very validating and says, but still a star. And Jean has a musical performance and Bob is going to go to Jean's thing. Linda's going to take the car and go to Tina's thing and then she's gonna, she's planning on taking Louise with her. And Louise comes in and says, okay, who's taking me to the library? And they're like, what? And she, as it turns out, also has a performance that they forgot about. She wrote a poem. 
And when she realizes that they didn't remember, she immediately, this is what reminds me of, like, this is what, this is how Louise hits my own little heart. She's like, nope, nope, don't come, don't come. It's not important. It's stupid. It's stupid. I wrote a stupid thing. It doesn't matter. And they're kind of like pained about it, but they're like, okay, there really are only are two of us. Some, some kid is going to have to not have a parent there. And if it's going to be the kid that's insisting that we're not there, then so be it. Anyway, uh, as it turns out, um, Louise wrote a very seriously sweet poem that she didn't want anyone to know because she didn't want people. I, I feel like deep in her heart, she didn't want people to feel bad that they weren't there, but she also didn't want to admit that it was something that mattered to her. So throughout the episode, Linda is struggling to put on Tina's play because the, what would you it's call like her? It's like essentially the Girl Scout leader. Yeah. I can't remember what the Girl Scouts are called yeah. in that universe, but um, it's, it's the Girl Scout leader. Yeah. So Linda is at Tina's school struggling to help the Girl Scout leader put together this play. And the Girl Scout leader is like desperate to have Linda there because she's there doing it all alone. And it's much more helpful to have someone else, another adult helping with it. And then Bob goes to Jean's play, uh, and as it turns out, the teacher gets put in the hospital, the music teacher, and a substitute teacher has to come in, and it's a whole disaster. And Louise, again, is alone in the library, waiting her turn to read her Christmas poem to a crowd that does not include anyone in her family. And she is trying to put on a brave face about it. Her little inner dialogue is very much very nervous and not not thinking about the thing that she is feeling sad about. She's like, did I put my... like? Did I put my tights on the wrong way? Yep, I totally did. And what is this going to, like, you know, she's she's doing her own Louise thing. So throughout the episode, Bob and Linda are calling each other and talking about what's going on with their own kids at their respective performances. And Tina tells mom, Tina tells Linda that she thinks that um, Louise, this actually does mean something to her, that she didn't write a stupid poem about reindeer poop. She actually wrote a poem that was meaningful and she might not want it to be missed. And Linda is just beside herself that she's not there. She calls Bob and begs him to get there. Bob takes a cab, gets driven across town, can't make it, so decides to go back to um, Jean's play, Jean's musical performance, and just catch the rest of that. Well, Linda is just so sad about this. Um... And she watches Tina perform her little star thing. And as Tina comes back, it turns out Tina is not in the star. Tina has given her star costume to another student. And Tina herself has run off to the library to watch Louise perform her little poem. And Linda eventually gets there near the end. Um, Louise is clearly very happy that someone turned up. The, the poem is about her family. <laughs> And it is just so sweet. And the musical cues, Gene figures out his music stuff and um, figures out how to get through this performance where they were totally relying on their teacher that's not there anymore. And the, the music starts up and Louise tell, reads her adorable, sweet, meaningful little poem. And Tina is there to see it. And Linda and Bob miss it. And the episode ends with them all kind of gathering together in Christmassy joy and reading her poem and just being together. And it's very, very sweet. And honestly, like I actually kind of started to tear up when you got to the point where we find out that Tina had given up her spot in the performance so that yep. she could go see Louise. Like it's that is so Tina. So, so Tina, so meaningful, like such a big sister thing to do. Yeah. And the sibling dynamic between the three of them is not like, I, I don't know. It's like both a normal sibling dynamic and not normal at the same time. I know. Because <laughs> Louise, as the younger 
youngest kid, actually, is actually like the bully out of the three of them. Yes. And so the dynamic is is a little different than what you would normally expect in real life. Mm-hmm. So I just want to kind of move through the list of the things that we've talked about and identify some of those aspects of this conflict. Cool. So the first thing that we talked about was interests and goals. And I think that the interests and goals here are really, really obvious. Like everybody has their own individual goals (laughs) that they are trying to meet. And a lot of them are super obvious. You know, we've got Tina, Jean, Louise, who are all trying to make the goal of doing this performance, doing it well. And then we've got Linda and Bob, who are trying to manage this conflict of, like, not interpersonal conflict, but, like, scheduling conflict. Not being able to be there for everyone. Yeah. (laughs) And then there are those judgy parents. I hate this. Bob is sitting in the auditorium. You can cut this if you want. Bob is sitting in the auditorium and he's surrounded by a few parents that we know, I think like Rudy's parents and stuff. And he says, yeah, we, I had to come to this. Linda's at, Linda's at Tina's performance. We had to miss Louise's performance. And they're all like, oh, that's, oh. And I'm like, what do you want them to do? There are two of them. (laughs) Oh, and that just pissed me right off. Like they were so judgy. Like, what are they supposed to do? (laughs) Anyway. Mm -hmm. So most of the interesting goals are topic related. And this is going back to that TRIP acronym. Yes. um, Where the goals either fall under topic, relationship, identity, or process. So when the episode starts, we see that it is all very topic related. But I think the episode takes a really meaningful turn when we realize that actually we are looking at a bunch of people who are trying to work through relationship and identity or face work goals. Mm -hmm. We have Linda and Bob who are trying to save face, like confirm their identity as good parents who are not only there for their kids, but also engaged. Like Linda engages with the actual process of putting on this play. Like she is not a passive parent just sitting in the audience. Mm -hmm. Bob too. Bob, Bob goes back and is, uh, well, I mean, he's, <laughs> he goes through a lot more, I think, to, to try to be there for both kids. Um, no, no, I think you're right. Because once he sees how like self-sufficient Jean is, because Jean is the one that eventually like figures out how to deal with this whole missing their music teacher and trying to help this substitute teacher lead these kids in this percussion performance. Gene is an incredibly self-sufficient little boy. Yes, and he is. I He's think a very capable once... boy. He is. He's not bright, but he is capable. <laughs> and once Bob sees that, he recognizes that, you know, maybe Gene doesn't need him as much as Louise might. And yeah. so he is trying to be a good parent by recognizing where his attention is needed most. Um, Which, actually, if we want to talk a little bit about power dynamics, Linda and Bob have the resource of time and attention that all three of the kids are competing for. And even though there isn't really, like, an interpersonal conflict when it comes to talking about, like, this this power dynamic and, and resources, like, it is still part of the conflict. 
they still have this resource that the kids can't take for themselves. It can only be given to them. Yeah. And I think that's part of what makes this episode like just so emotionally devastating. Yeah. <laughs> because we see that even the parents recognize that they have this resource and they can't distribute it the way that they want to. Talking about the kids and their like identity and face work goals, um, we have Gene, who is pretty straightforward. He just wants to be a good musician. And that's like his character arc, right? Much, Throughout yeah. the entire series. He just wants to be a musician. And he is able to meet that goal of of maintaining that face work of being a good musician by figuring out how to put on this performance in a way that is not a complete disaster. With Tina, I think hers is a little bit more complex because she does want to be a good, I think they're called the Thunder Girls. Mm -hmm. Um, She wants to be a good Thunder Girl. But she recognizes also that part of her identity is being the big sister. Yes. And so she switches, kind of shifts her goals from being a good Thunder Girl to being a good big sister. And then Louise, I think, is the most complex because throughout the entire series, she is the most aggressive. She is the most in your face. She knows what she wants. She's going to take it. Yeah, she craves power. Yeah, she craves power. And this is kind of going back to last episode, too, where she's normally very competing. And it's a little bit of a surprise when we see her take on a more avoiding or accommodating role in this conflict where she's like, no, no, it's okay. Like you go to my other siblings performances instead. Like it's okay. It's because for her identity thing, her face thing, she doesn't want to admit that something like this matters. Like we all know what matters to Louise is being like the smartest in the room or being like, the you know the one that tells other kids to do but she doesn't want people to know that she is also just a little girl (laughs) that wants her parents to be proud of her right because if she lets on that she wants something like she she's vulnerable right because even though she has no problem talking about her goals when it comes to like you know being this really tough little kid or like some of the material things that she wants. She does not like letting on when she is emotionally invested in something. Yeah. Like Rudy, that episode we talked about Rudy, she slapped him and told him, you don't tell anyone about this. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We see this. It's just, it's something that we see all throughout the series. And we know that she is vulnerable. This is not, like, completely out of character for her when she says, like, oh, no, like, don't come to my performance. It's okay. But it is still really surprising because it's not something that we see very often. Yeah. And she is normally very competitive. Like, if we're going to talk about conflict styles, she does compete for resources, And so the fact that she is very accommodating and avoiding is a complete reversal of expectations. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, just really surprising. Again, not out of character, just Just not something that we see very often. Yeah. And (laughs) just a little aside, I 
wish I could give a fictional character like congratulations on being collaborating. And in this case, it would be Tina. Right. (laughs) She's the MVP. I don't think she really cared that much about the play. Like she saw how stressed out her mom and her troop leader was about the play. And she recognized that like, and not in an accommodating style. I think she recognized in a very objective way, like this is not what matters. Yeah. And so she evaluated her own needs and the needs of her younger sister and also of her parents and was like, actually, I'm not losing anything by leaving, Mm -hmm. but we are gaining a lot by supporting my younger sister. Exactly. So kudos to her for that. So we've talked about like power a little bit. We've talked about conflict styles and goals and interests we're going to end on talking about emotions because oh boy there are emotions in this episode and not just the emotions that we as the audience feel but also emotions felt on the part of everybody involved yeah um yeah i see i think the one that stands out most to me is like linda is in legitimate pain when she learns that one of the kids is going to not have a parent there. Like she screams <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's really, it's really sad. And again, I'm so upset at the parents for getting mad at Bob for him saying like, Oh yeah, we couldn't be there. And like, come on. Like there are two of them. They are doing their literal best. Um, anyway, I, and then uh, I, I really like, I don't know if you would call this emotional, but Jean's involvement with like, okay, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take this up and I'm going to, I'm going to make this musical, this Christmas musical performance happen. And all the emotions felt by all the audience members watching that come together because Jean kept it together. That was mm-hmm. a really rewarding too. Yeah. Also, I want to talk a little bit about like panic and anxiety because this is not, a, again, your stereotypical interpersonal conflict. This is not what we normally think of when we're like, oh yeah, I was in a conflict with my significant other the other day because they wanted to go to this restaurant and I just wanted to eat in. And, you know, we we argued about it. This is a much more subtle conflict that still has emotions that are just as strong. And I think we all are in conflict like this more often than we realize when we are very anxious about our relationships with the people that we love the most Mm -hmm. and we see this in Linda and Bob when they're very anxious about like oh who are they going to go support we see this with Tina when she realizes that like her mom is just kind of ignoring what's actually happening and, I mean, Tina is kind of, like, a little nervous chihuahua most of the time anyway. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, she recognizes that she is actually going to have to, like, forcefully take some of the power and some of the initiative in this situation. And Yeah, because if she brought up to Linda, yeah. if she brought up to her mom what she was going to do before she did it, her mom probably wouldn't have let her, like, Mm-mm. yeah. No. And so I can imagine there's a lot of anxiety with that too. 
And then, yeah, the anxiety that Louise has, which you mentioned, you know, she has her internal dialogue, but also she has a genuine conflict of whether or not she's going to read her, like, jokey reindeer poop poem, or if she's going to read the poem that actually, like, won her a spot on this little poetry reading performance. And I think that the whole family works through those anxieties really, really well. Uh, particularly Tina, where she just says, you know what, I have to kind of put on a brave face and push through it and just do the right thing. And it pays off so, so much because we see the love that she feels towards her younger sister and then the relief that Louise has when she sees her older sister there is just, like, palpable. Yeah. And I think that's where most people who watched the episode started to, like, absolutely lose all composure. Yeah. Louise feels so loved and so touched by the sacrifice that she knows Tina had to make to be there. And she actually, like, her voice cracks a little bit. And we don't ever see Louise lose her composure like that. Like, if she loses composure, it's usually in anger. It's never in, like, relief. (laughs) And I think it's a really good lesson for us. You know, not only, like, looking at this episode holistically, but particularly the emotions. When we have emotions that we want to feel in the middle of conflict, and we can kind of keep our eye on those, it actually helps guide us towards conflict resolution in the most satisfactory way. When we can remember, like, we are doing the things that we are doing with the people that we love, for the people that we love, and if we can work through with feelings of empathy (laughs) and also, like, looking forward to that relief of, okay, like, We are done with this now. It does more for conflict resolution than anything else in the world possibly can. Mm -hmm. And that's why I freaking love Bob's Burgers. Yes. It is. It is truly probably the most wholesome and like, um, I don't know. You, you feel like you have to have some sort of like. If, if it's wholesome, it can't be that funny. If it's, like, super funny, it can't be very wholesome. And, and, you know, Always Sunny in Philadelphia comes to mind. It really is quite hilarious because of the just sheer audacity of the episode um, <laughs> synopses. You know what I mean? And then you have something mm-hmm. like <laughs> Full House where it's, like, super wholesome and very, very adorably unfunny. <laughs> but yeah. Bob's Burgers hits this crazy middle ground um where i mean there are still inappropriate jokes for sure but nothing that like kids like i nothing that a kid under eight or nothing that a kid uh, like over eight wouldn't like lose their mind over you know like they would just it's 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 such a good show yeah so thank you carmen first and foremost for joining me on this little mini series this media analysis i'm happy to and uh, Professor, if you're watching this or listening to this, which I hope you are because, you know, <laughs> it's her final, you should you should check out Bob's Burgers if you haven't already. Absolutely, for sure. Uh, 
honestly, I read the room when I both proposed this project and also when I presented like what we've been doing. And I think I'm the only person in that classroom that's actually watched Bob's Burgers. So. Are you serious? Are you um are you the oldest in your class? I think so. Maybe it's um, not a show the, for the next... maybe it's not a Gen Z show. <laughs> maybe it's not. I don't know. It's a shame. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm not the only non-traditional student in that classroom, mm-hmm. but uh, I think I am the oldest by at least a few years. Yeah. So. Well, I will tell you, whenever I suggest this show to my friends, if they say, no, I'm not going to watch that, it's usually because it's a cartoon, which just confuses the hell out of me. Like, what? like it, it doesn't automatically become a kid's show just because it's a cartoon. Like, there are some very, very adult funny moments in this, especially between Linda and Bob. I don't know. That That's so strange to me. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I think that a lot of people see cartoons as either, like, on the one end of the spectrum or the other, where it's, like, either for kids or it's, like, crazy Rick and Morty level, you know, violent, raunchy language, sexual. And, like, no, Bob's Burgers is in the middle. Yes, it (laughs) is. It's, it's, I think, a little bit more family-friendly than, like, The Simpsons. Yeah, but it is but, on the same ground of Simpsons where it's like, honestly, yeah. anyone in the family, like the family could sit down and watch this and everyone would find something they like. I've heard that said about Bluey, but Bluey is an actual children's show. Bob's Burgers <laughs> right. is like a family show. So I highly recommend. Yes. Maybe I'll watch Bluey and do like a media analysis for whatever my next project is. That I've watched Bluey with you. I've, I've heard great things, but I haven't watched it. Yeah. I haven't either. We could take a journey together. Yay. Anyway, we're just rambling at this point, but thank you, listener. <laughs> thank you. Zuh. I, I, at least one listener, Maria. <laughs> Is that New Jersey fan still in, in there? <laughs> Do I don't them? know. I hope so. I do. I do. I think it's Rhode Island. Okay. Okay. But yes, still oh, small God East Coast you. state. <laughs> I hope so. Rhode Island, if you're listening still, like, I think we love you the most. Yes, we do. Just FYI. (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining us. And, you know, we'll see you next time, probably the next time I have a project due, to be (laughs) honest. But I don't know. Maybe we'll do one for funsies at some point. Yeah, like we used to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe when I'm not, like, in constant panic mode from being, you know, in my senior year of college. Yes, indeed. We'll see you next time, whenever that is. Bye. Bye.